to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. Angela's freaking out as I'm trying to do this intro. (laughs) Welcome to the Express Post, baby. This is, you guys already know, we're like 12 days into this now. You know how this happens. Um, We are doing another Express Express Post from the Women's World Cup and you were all excited. We were all excited. We absolutely cannot wait to talk about yesterday's games. None more so than Australia 4, Canada nil. We're topping the group. We're through to the round of 16. What is happening? What is life? What is football? I don't even know, but we can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be pure vibes and unhinged nonsense. So I hope you're ready for that, dear listeners. Um, But before we get into all of that and touch on the other games from yesterday as well, we want to acknowledge the traditional uh, owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Ghana people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have a full house once again. So it's me, Marissa Lordanic, Angela Christian Wilkes, Anna Harrington, and Sam Lewis. So, friends, vibe check. How are we feeling? I'm guessing a lot better than last time we talked about Attilie's game. The vibes are fucking immaculate today, guys. <laughs> yes! Yes, they are. Oh my god. How good's Melbourne, everyone? How good is Melbourne? Best Melbourne. city. Best city. Always said it. Always believed it. <laughs> She's always said it. Never had any thoughts to the contrary. I got I got a date night with the missus into copy that has gone out on the wire. Yes! <laughs> in my Steph Catley story today. I love Thank that. Thank you. Um, well, you know, it's canon now. Um, anyway, <laughs> the vibes are incredible. Like, how good? Backs to the wall and the Matildas delivered. And uh, you know what I loved about this? Like, compared to, say, the Miracle of Montpellier was, um, and I think friend of the pod, Vince Regari, also summed it up. Like, it wasn't a miracle. It was magnificent. It, they didn't have to, as much as it was backs to the wall going into this game, they didn't have to do that in-game because they just fucking dominated from go to woe. Yeah. Like, this was, like, the most comprehensive, mature, smart, um, ruthless response that they could have delivered um, to what happened the other day. May it rest in peace. Let's not discuss it again. Um, and it's they're through to the – they're not only through to the knockouts, but the top of the group is the ultimate response from the Matildas is um, – Coaching-wise, it was a brilliant response from Tony Gustafson and his team. And Melbourne, as a crowd, delivered. The Matildas delivered. It was one of the best nights this team has, has delivered in recent years. Um, and, yeah, it, it just, for me, when I was doing the follow story today, it just all comes back to maturity. That was what Steph Catley um, kept coming back to. Um, she felt maybe a few years ago this team couldn't have responded like the way they did tonight, like just in terms of, how clinical they were. You, you look at things like when the second goal got chalked off for offside and how they responded two minutes later. It all just felt like they had their shit together, like in the best possible way. And they did it all without Sam Kerr. Like, yeah, she basically said to him, go on and win it so I can get another week into this calf. And they did that. It, it was fantastic. Um, Sam? Yeah. Angela? I'm, anyone? I, it's it, like how you said that this is – like maybe one of the best performances from the Matildas in recent years. This is this is probably the best performance in World Cup history for the Matildas in terms of the stakes, in terms of the opponent, in terms of the circumstances that they were emerging from. 
to come out and do that in the way that they did was extraordinary. It was exactly what they needed at exactly the time that they needed it. And for those of us who've followed this team for as long as we have, we've seen so many times the Matildas arrive at a moment like this and drop it, fail, not reach their 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 own expectations or ours and and just crumble under under the weight of the the moment but they just flourished in this everything seemed to fall into place and what i really found interesting was that after the game during the media conference with tony gustafson he was asked like when did he kind of know that this this game was was sort of set and done and he said a couple of days ago because he was there, he was he was behind the curtain. He was seeing the mentality of the players. He was seeing them in training. He saw their hunger to respond to that Nigeria game. He saw how furious they were that they weren't able to do the things that they knew that they could do when it really mattered. And to come in to this game, there was, as you mentioned, Harry, like just this sense of maturity, this sense of serenity almost, this calmness, this reassurance within themselves that they knew exactly what they were going to do, almost as though they could just, they, they peered into their own future, like they wrote their own luck, you know? And like the Nigeria game, I think, was a really interesting juxtaposition because the goals that we copped in that game were really just bad luck. It was like a deflection. It was a, it was a, like a a poor clearance and, and it was just a poor handed back pass that was miscommunicated. Like those are little unlucky moments that when they are triangulated through the pressure of a moment like that and the spotlight of a moment like that feels so much worse, but they are just mistakes and they are just, it's just bad luck sometimes. But tonight or last night, rather, it felt like, like luck was with them again, you know, like the balls just fell to them and every 50, 50 tackle, the ball spilled out at their feet and every pass went in their direction. Like it just, it felt like the whole universe was just like, you know what, we, we made you suffer in this moment. So here, have a, have a little bit of positivity this time. I also think you make your own luck to an extent, Sam. And I love yeah. that you pointed out the 50, 50 balls because that was the difference for me in this game compared to the Nigeria game. Yeah. Um, like you never felt like they were going to lose them. Like there are a couple of moments where say, let's say Katrina Gori lost the ball because we know sometimes she will, she plays that sort of risky passing style, but she would go straight in and win it back. Yeah. Every time Claire Hunt or Alana Kennedy went up for a header, they looked so composed. I was, one thing that was quite funny to me was like, uh, clearly they wanted to get rid of that sort of long ball that they were doing in the last game. And you could see Alana Kennedy quite a few times when she got the ball, you could tell she look up and the instinct was to go, I'm going to fucking ping it. And then she goes, I know. I have, I will lower my eyes. I have a midfielder right here. I have someone here. And she was yeah. making the right decision, like just about every time. And that's yeah. full credit to her. Um, and I think that shows the confidence that they sort of reinstilled. Um, I thought her and Claire Hunt didn't put a foot wrong all game. Christine Sinclair is in another universe right now um, because they just marked her out of existence just about. They were fantastic. Um, I felt like. Um, Friend of the pod, Joey Lynch, was pointing out something like 99, and we'll talk about it, 99 of Australia's attacks went down the left side with Ford and Catley and only 15 went down Ellie Carpenter's right-hand side. I'll talk about Ford and Catley in a sec, but the fact that Hayley Razzo clearly had the more defensive 
role, like just going, because I think Ashley Lawrence is left back, right? So yes. they clearly were like, we're not going to let them get in behind us, beat us there. And I thought Ellie was really disciplined, mm. also showed that aggression. She got forward when she needed to. It was comfortably the best she'd played um, at this World Cup to date, I thought. Yeah. She just never looked like she was going to lose anything. But fuck me, that game had to have been won on the – sorry, Mickey Mouse. That game had to have been won on the back of the decision made around the forward structure and the left side of the field. I thought it was um, exactly the right call to bring Mary Fowler back in, as I think we yep. all did. But I really liked the decision. I think I tweeted about it pre-match. I thought it made for a really intelligent attack, keeping Emily Van Egmond in there. And Tony obviously expanded – it was false nines. Very Ange Postacoglu, Melbourne victory era for those who might remember. He used to play with the two false nines and the wingers coming in uh, and the wingers doing a lot of the goal scoring. Um, and Van Egmond's an intelligent player. I thought she controlled the tempo so well whenever she had the ball and was really smart. Fowler was fantastic, one of her best games. But my God, that left-hand combination with Caitlin Ford and Steph Catley. I know Hayley Razzo was the player of the match, but I thought Caitlin Ford was just like on another planet last night. Like putting her back on the left. um, And Tony made it clear it wasn't about that she had done badly in in the central role. It's about relationships and the connections players have. And Ford and and Kerr have that great connection when they play centrally together. But Ford and Catley on the left, they do it at Arsenal, they – have done it together at Matilda's level so many times. And it was just the most extraordinary double act. They knew where to find each other. There was party tricks coming out. Yeah. Some of the balls getting played were insane. Emily Van Egmont and Caitlin Ford both did a couple of like, little party tricks. If, they, you, if that was happening in your local futsal team, you'd want to put two feet through them. Like you would just be in the players. Like little flicks over the head, like rainbows and shit like that. Uh, you would just be like infuriated. But they were just extraordinary. Um and I thought they were patient at the right time. They weren't just bombing forward and whipping in crosses. Both of them had moments like um, Catley. I know it was maybe an awkward touch initially for the first goal, but she also had the composure not to try and whip it in straight away. She she took the touch and then put it in. It created that chaos for the Razzo goal. And Caitlin Ford, everything she she touched turned to gold. And that the goal that Mary Fowler scored, which I reckon is a lot harder than people would think, given she had to sort of drag it back from behind her with her left foot. But Ford's run to like effectively the, the goal line and then to hit between get the pass between two defenders and cut it back at just the right time for Fowler, just exceptional. Like that sort of clinical edge and that creative touch is what was missing in those first two games, I feel. And, yeah, yeah I, I just thought that combination down the left was sensational, um, world-beating. I think uh, – sorry, guys. Recording on location once again, I am at a Hungry Jack's in Adelaide, um, just uh, deal with it. Um, yeah, just such a composed performance. And I, y- you mentioned Claire Hunt and, and Kennedy there, Harrow, Claire Hunt, just that's it, Claire Hunt, amazing, incredible. I don't think, like, the Matildas playing out from the back was, like, superb in my eyes. I don't know. I think the like Maka as well, she had a standout yeah. performance. And she was just like so cruisy. She was cool as a cucumber. And I think that was really, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was just the aura around them. There wasn't any sense of panic. There was a real, and, and there wasn't any rushing. They really like worked into the moments and made those opportunities. And they're so, so, so good. Um, Claire Hunt was one of 
the best on field for me. Kennedy to come back from the last performance and, and do what she did. Mm. Like she looked a little bit shaky at the start, but then once she settled, yeah, um, was like very complimentary to, to Hunt. And I don't know, yeah, I, I just, it's one of those games where like you can't really fault ev- anyone because every individual player out there had such a, a good game. Um, I will always rant and rave about Tony Cross, but I think, yeah, her pressure in the midfield um, and her intensity and, like, yeah, put to, pushing for the turn, like, pushing Canada to turn over the ball was um, excellent. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I think, yeah, her and Gori were playing quite a similar role, but, yeah, having Emily Van Egmond in there and in the mix as well um, really complemented that. Um, and, yeah, just so, so good. And, um, you know, I suppose we might talk about the, Sam, you tweeted about the football goddesses, they giveth and they taketh. Um, But to keep the momentum up after that goal being pulled off, even though it was so, someone might be able to explain to me, um, why they let the celebrations carry out for so long, because one of Canada's players is down injured. Like oh, the so second goal? Nip that in the bud. Yeah. And just I, like... I reckon I reckon they were reviewing like three different incidents, um, two or three different things because they're checking a couple of offsides. Uh, my theory, I thought the goal was going to get chalked off because I thought Ellie Carpenter absolutely fucking fouled someone on the way through. Yeah, I thought that, she like, like smashed thought someone in the face. Yeah, that's someone's what, that's leg. No, I thought she'd, she'd clipped someone's legs on the way through. I thought, I reckon they were checking that. I reckon they were checking another offside. It's difficult because as much as even if they announce it, they only announce the end decision that has a bearing on it. So that's why it took so long. I tell you what, though, you know what they can get rid of is like showing the little screen, uh, you know, the the Hannah Wilkinson we famous like, 3D model. But they but they do the 3D model like five minutes later and everyone's just confused. They're like, yeah. why are you showing me an offside line? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> you're like, if, you if you're not doing it then and there, like, right at the time I, I imagine it takes a little bit of time to generate it but if you're not showing it when you make the decision don't fucking bother like it just confuses people and by me people i mean me <laughs> um and if i'm confused <laughs> no 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 it didn't actually confuse me i i understand um but yeah sorry sam i feel like you're going to offer something very insightful on kyra cooney cross who tony like described as like the product the end product of all the investment and work they've put into her which yeah. i loved um and like it feels like the same for Kyra Cooney Cross and Mary Fowler. It's just been like, we're gonna play you, we're gonna give you minutes. Um, people aren't always gonna like it. People are gonna, especially Cooney Cross, I think people have preferred other midfield options. And I think they're reaping the, the rewards of that. Kyra Cooney Cross continues to be, for me, the best Matilda that no one is talking about. She has become so integral to the way that they play that I cannot imagine this team without her anymore. Her alongside Katrina Gorey uh, is has just been a revelation. And the two of them offer very different things in that midfield. But together, I can't really think of a better combination of two midfielders who can do everything that they can do and who can be the glue that holds the rest of the team together in the way that they can. And that game last night from Kyra was probably the best of the lot. And you know that it's good when someone like Ian Wright 
tweets about her, you know. Oh, my God. Imagine. you. I would just be losing my mind. I wasn't in the mix zone with Cara Cooney-Cross. i got to listen back to the audio today. I really hope somewhere I asked about asked her about that because that is such an endorsement. I loved all the replies as well, Sam, where people were like, well, go on then. Get her to the office. Sana, that's it. Sana, where are you, Anne? Come on. Where's and the contract? I, I have these, um, I have these vibes, right? That um, Chelsea have already got her. I feel like Emma Hayes has been on the bandwagon for a while. Mm. But if no one's got her yet, it's going to be a hell of a bidding war. Because, yeah. my God, exactly. I agree, Sam. I think she's not necessarily been at her best the first two games, and that's partly circumstantial. Like the first game, Katrina Gori just fucking bossed it, so it was the supporting act. And I think Nigeria got the better of our midfield for a lot of the second game. Mm. But I thought last night, in terms of tournament football, that was her breakout game. Like, she was sensational. Yeah. Like, just so good. Um, And it was the one that she – I know you referenced it in your copy, Sam. Um, The shot that forced Kaylin Sheridan to make a save. I think everyone just saw her going, this is going to be a bit speculative. She probably put this over the bar. And she fucking fizzed it. Yeah. And yeah. Sheridan, it, told, it actually caught her off guard a little bit. And she went, oh, God, I've got to, actually got to save this. Yeah. Um, and, a, like, Sheridan is a very good goalkeeper. She had a couple of shaky moments last night, obviously. But a lesser goalkeeper would have got beaten there. Um, and, yeah, she's still not scored her first Matilda's goal, Cara Cooney Cross. I can't wait for it to come. It'll probably end up being a scrappy tap-in after all these bangers she's gone for. But, <laughs> it's either going to be um, a scrappy tap-in or it's going to be an Olympico. It cannot be just a her, regular old her goal. corners. Yeah, so her good. corners her, last her, night were super. She, corners she's, are just so... She's taken over, yeah. taken over from Gori, I think, as the right footer, taking the corners. Yep. Um, and I reckon it's it's been fantastic because you got you got we know what Catley can do. She's a proven quantity, but I think Kara is adding that. And it was the way she swung that ball in um, that allowed Hayley Razzo. It was the ultimate. Um, I think my colleague at AFA, Shane Hope, was like, you got to say she bundled that in. She didn't do anything but bundle that in. <laughs> because it forced Sheridan to make an error. Quinn didn't get a good clearance on it after, and Razzo was able to, to bundle it in. And that was because of that ball. Some serious technicians, like between Catley and Cooney Cross, some of the yeah. balls they can play are just extraordinary um and I think Van Egmond had a few moments like that as well I also um thought it was a really good calculated move um because we we heard Tony talk about this in the presser right Sam Emily Van he praised Emily Van Egmond's performance in the Mm. press conference the day before Mm. um because uh, we've both uh interacted with Emily a fair few times when she doesn't want to give you anything she can really shut up shop like she can really be um like straight base give you nothing but the way she said, because I, I asked her about, like, you know, this could define your era, right? You're all in your peak of your powers at the moment. And effectively, the, the vibe was, you lose. You know, you've, you've probably wasted that. And she was just like, we know exactly what's at stake. We know this is a huge game. We're going to embrace it. We're not going to back down. We're going to take on the moment. We're going to take it on head first and go into it. And, you know, Tony had sort of, you know, sort of charmed his, somewhat charmed his way through that presser. But, um and friend of the pod, Shireen, actually pointed this out. This is from a Canadian perspective. It was Emily Van Egbon talking that made you actually believe they could go and yes. do it. It was that real steely, steely sort of focus um, combined with doing fun things like telling Kieran Pender, he was telling me that Kieran Pender from The Guardian was your mate two seats down. <laughs> um, as your mate two seats down said, um, which I quite liked from Emily. It was very, very casual and dismissive at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I thought like that set the tone really, really well. And um, they played exactly like that. Steph Catley said they had a fire in their eyes from pretty much when they finished the Nigeria game 
Tony had said multiple times, we we could have played this game yesterday. We could have played this game two days ago. Mm. Could have, and, and they see, they clearly felt there was never going to be any result any different. It was, yeah, just the mental strength and the way that their leaders set the tone. And Sam Kerr's role can't be underplayed. But you know, like clearly, unless it was break glass in case of emergency, she was never going to play. And Tony said that um, Sam said to the players pre-match, go on and win it without me. So I've got another week. And they went, yeah, we're going to do that. It just so much strength from all the leaders from, from go to woe, I thought. We've got to talk about the Atmos, though. The misses. Oh, yeah. I yeah, baby. I think the, the 12th player, is that a cliche? I don't know. Just, oh, it was sensational. So, so good. Um, I, that's, that's all I can say. Just the crowd last night was amazing. And, yeah, Kyra Cooney Cross... I, I was such a fangirl. Every time she got the ball, I was like, oh, I love Kyra. I was like, this is Kyra Cooney-Cross's. This is her home. Yeah. This is where she's from. We've seen her bang them in from at the misses before. Like, So it was just really lovely to like reflect on that and be like, I remember when you were slightly shorter than you are now and you were playing for victory. You know, just that kind of thing. So that's something really special from last night for me like having that connection between the A-Leagues and, and this ground. And, but never seen it that full before. Glorious. So, so glorious. And, and the crowd were incredible. So good. I, I loved a little bit of hostility to it. I asked, I couldn't resist, like, Steph Catley had done so much mixed zone stuff. Like, so I was like, get a few questions in and then we're going to go let her rest, as she deserves. Steph Catley needs a girl rest. Um, and she was like in for a few questions and it was like, wrap it up. And I was like, oh, could I get in one more? All right. And asked her about, you know, Mel, she is such a, if you think I'm bad, like Steph Catley is maybe even worse than me for being like so Melbourneian. it hurts. Um, she takes so much pride in it um, to, the, to the extent where, I, I just love it. Anyway, so I obviously asked her about, you know, you scored, put the penalty away from your home crowd. Uh, I asked her about, you know, this crowd was loud, it was powerful. Let's be honest, it got a little bit feral, like, which I love, but in a good way, no buckets, but in like terms of when a Melbourne football crowd, we're talking about this off air, off pod, before the pod, when a Melbourne crowd gets pissed off, it gets really like, it's like storm clouds have come over the whole joint, right? So the best example I can think of, sorry to reference men's football, we have some listeners who know it, Marissa might remember this, was a few years ago, I think it was a semi-final, Melbourne Victory were playing Brisbane Raw. And Brisbane Roar's Luke Devere, um, uh, Barisha, I think, made contact with Luke Devere. Devere takes a dive. Barisha gets sent off. Uh, later on, it gets rescinded on appeal because Devere, I think, admitted that he flopped. But was, this is a game where Demi Petrados just scored that amazing, like, curvy goal. That people might remember that. But as soon as that red card happened and people saw the replay, it just went feral. This was like a 3-3 banger of a game. But the crowd vibe was just, like, so ominous, so angry. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, this can be scary and it can be intimidating. We've seen, uh, we'd seen um, Sydney FC lose that grand final in 14-15 where the Melbourne crowd just took over. There was – obviously, it's not exactly the same crowd. Like, there's a lot more younger people, a lot more women, a lot more girls, a lot more kids. But you still have, like, hardcore football fans that were there. And I know plenty of them that would have gone to lots of men's games as well. So when that VAR, and, you know, Sam Kerr and Ellie Carpenter had basically said, bar booing 
the Canadian national anthem, go for your life, right? So when that VAR decision happened for the Carpenter goal, sorry, the Fowler goal was chalked off and the VAR came through and it got denied, the booing that came through was just like so feral, so angry. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Canada, I felt like Canada, for what it's worth, were rattled from the crowd from, from the get-go. They, they failed on poor Canadian version of the far post. They're not going to have a good time dissecting that because Canada completely wilted, crumbled, all the bad things um, on the big stage. Um, and we're not a Canada post. We don't need to talk about how, um, you know, the, the different systematic issues they're dealing with. But either way, they wilted on the big stage. And I think the crowd didn't help because the Melbourne crowd, it didn't stop. There was chanting, there was clapping, there was um, just ongoing noise. And I just feel like the, that sort of feral atmosphere and then when they won the corner, it just felt like they were going to score again. And they did. And Razo bundles in the second one. And from there, it's just completely in control. And, yeah, there's no doubt that that crowd um, helped them through. And Catley uh, was quite emotional sort of talking about how special it was, like looking around at the anthem and hearing the whole place in song. Um, uh, I, I did quite like when she talked about taking the penalty at the end where she was like, Steph, don't miss. You'll deflate everything if you miss. And <laughs> she just scored it. And the place erupted and you could see what that meant to her. You could see what it went, what it meant to Melbourne. Um, and, yeah, I'd been pumping up the joint for days pretty much, being like, well, if we're going to be backs to the wall, you don't want to be at the MCG. You want to be at Amy Park or the Misses, as Angela calls it. And I'm, one, I was right. Two, how good. Like, it was the perfect atmosphere. Every backs to the wall game we ever play should be at Amy Park um, because it's awesome. Yeah, it, and the crowd just deserves so many raps. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable, and I I I I don't remember being in a crowd for a women's game that was like that before. The crowds in in Sydney and Melbourne, uh, Sydney and Brisbane rather, for the opening two games were not quite like that. They there was sort of a <clears throat> I don't know what it was, maybe like a hesitation almost from the crowd in those two games to because they didn't quite. F- feel attached to the team in the way that they did last night. Like last night, Angelus described it as like the 12th person, right? And it really, like every pass, every tackle, every challenge, every clear, every block, like the crowd was in it. The crowd was like wrapped around every single player and was invested in every single thing that was happening on the field. And every time the Matildas went into Canada's half, everyone the noise the wall of noise just like just crushed in it was so incredible and I think a really big shout out needs to go to friends of the pod Matilda's active who were incredible at one end of the field they parochial. did not stop that's right they had drums they had banners they had flags they had lots of different chants they got everyone around them up and on their feet it was exactly what football should be. It's exactly the kind of atmosphere that these players talk about. It's exactly the kind of thing that they asked for. That's the other thing, like over the past couple of days in media opportunities, all the Matildas have been like, we want more noise. We want you to be in this Mm. with us because we have to do this together. We are in this together. We're not just like us players out here on the field trying to run around and kick a ball. Like, this is a moment for our whole country and we need you to be in this game, in this moment with us to push us forward. Because ultimately when it comes to big crunch moments, moments that really matter, it's these things that define it. It's these things that differentiate one result from another. It's these things that 
can inspire a team to push further than they've pushed before because they feel not the pressure but the belief of the people around them. And that's what it felt like last night. It felt like this team was coasting on this absolute tidal wave of belief from the people in the stands. It was so amazing to watch. Uh, Just quickly, I wanted to note, so you know how they've taken away all the branding for Amy Park? It's not Amy Park at the moment. Uh, Friend of the Court, Annie noted like the first game there. I don't know if anyone else saw this. The branding stayed on one item in the in the stadium. The bucket. <laughs> Amy Park on the bucket. Anyway, that's just very funny to me. Um I think I no, it just I I think that's everything. I, I did also very funny um footage of friend of the pod Alex. Like you don't see the first half of what happened, but there's like Bo and Tom just like pulling him back over the seats. Um so they are definitely examples of like long-standing football fans, Melbourne football fans, who absolutely went feral last night. They were they were menaces. <laughs> um, but that's what, and I, I think I, I feel very happy for like all kinds of fans in this moment because there were people there that was their first football game, or they hadn't been to a lot of football before. Like I went with my girlfriend; that was her first ever thing that she's gone to at the Mitten. Like. How, how lucky, but also sets the standard very high. I, hope <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Um, and then, like, yeah, Matilda's active. I feel like they work. There's a lot of work that goes into what they do. And, you know, there's not always huge turnouts and they're still always there. So I think this is, like, a really lovely payoff for them to have that um performance from their, their fellow fans as well and um yeah fans like tom and Bo and al who've um probably been missing that kind of atmosphere in australian football and i think it's a, a beautiful thing lots of people are now being like oh my god like new fans are seeing what football can be here and see what being a supporter of australia can be so that's a really beautiful thing uh, I'm just going to start crying again, I think. I'm just going to put myself on mute. Do we have any final Tilly's takes? (laughs) No? No final Tilly's takes? Up the clunt, as usual. And... (laughs) Sorry. I will never not take the opportunity to say that. (laughs) And she's giving me every opportunity to say it this corner. She's having, she's, she's smashing. Anyway, she was awesome. She was so good. I don't, I would like to. I think Sam might have mentioned. Both of you guys might have mentioned it early. Mackenzie Arnold. Um, considering how the last game went, I thought was superb when it counted. That save she made. I think it was to deny. It was to deny. It was awesome. I know it was three nil at the time but it just snuffed out any chance of even dreaming of a fight back, Canada. Uh, I, that was exceptional, an exceptional save. And her ball for the um, the first goal where Carpenter's they, – they've got the long ball in and as soon as that long ball's come in, I'm like, is there going to be a mix-up um, like uh, Kennedy and um, Arnold had? Carpenter's a bit further up the field because Carpenter fizzed this back pass back to Mackenzie Arnold and she's clearly gone, ooh, bit of heat on that. But she's controlled it. 
and then um, put this wonderful ball out to the left wing for for Caitlin Ford, and then you know obviously Ford combines with Catley, Catley in for Razzo, and it all starts because Mackenzie Arnold is so good with her feet and so instinctive and so attacking minded that she straight away looks at how she can turn this into. Um, really made it for mine because um, Maka talked about this after the Ireland game that she knows that sometimes there's going to be games where she doesn't have to do all that much and she barely had to do anything last night. But she, what what good goalkeepers do is they step up and they have the more confidence. And we've talked about how they haven't all played together all that much as a as a unit, but. Um, yeah, I, I thought when she needed to stand up and be counted, she did just that. And that was a really, really important response from her, I thought. And keeping a clean sheet was exactly what they deserve. And I'm so glad they didn't, um, yeah, they didn't uh, stuff that there. I also do think we should give um, Tony some credit um, because he copped so much heat, deservedly, and pressure and criticism after the Nigeria game. But I thought he and his staff completely nailed this. Um from the formation with um, with Van Egmond and um, Fowler as the false nines to the oh, the deliberate reliance on the left hand side, that's that's a coaching thing. That's not just a vibes thing. <laughs> they clearly plan to target uh, that right hand side of Canada, and it worked to perfection. Um, I thought they made the right calls in terms of substitutes, like Courtney Vine coming on for Razo was it at the right time. I know we all would have loved to see Chids and that sort of thing, but you know, a, a time and a place. I'm also happy no one picked up a second yellow card in the group stage. Do they get cleared now? Is it? No one picked up a second yellow, right? You're all giving me looks. Someone unmute yourself. I don't think so. I don't think they anyone. cleared after the round of 16? They after the round, yeah. Clear, no clear one, the quarterfinals. Yeah, so no one picked up a, yeah, no one picked up a second yellow, which is great. So no one is, is ruled out. Emily Van Egmont and Mackenzie are both picking up like quite funny yellows for time wasting, probably unnecessary, especially about England's was quite early. Um, Tony also picked up a stupid yellow, um, which was like he was almost on the pitch. Like he didn't just come outside his technical area to have a whinge. I'm not sure what he was, still not sure exactly what he was having a whinge about just before half time. Um, but he, yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, it got sorted. Um, but he, he admitted that he, he said after the match that he apologised to the ref. But I, anyway, I digress. I think they deserve a lot of credit for the way they handled this game. They backed in their players. They didn't go um, – they weren't influenced by outside factors in terms of everyone's calling for wholesale change, so we'll make wholesale change. They backed their players in the right way. Like, I think they made the right call on uh, dropping Courtney Vine to the bench um, because I, I just think that was the right call. It was the right call to make. And, yeah, perfect. Sorry. I was going to see if Sam had any last thoughts, but she had to go. Um, yeah, I think it was the right call to drop Courtney Vine to the bench and keep Emily Van Egmond. Hindsight is obviously wonderful, right? But, um, yeah, it was the perfect shift up putting Ford out wide. And, yeah, they, you know, we're, we're quick to criticise when coaches get it wrong. So I'm more than happy to give credit when they, they got a lot right, which they did last night. They absolutely did. Um, I think I can comfortably say that none of us watched even a smidgen of Ireland-Nigeria, but they played out 
a scoreless draw, which obviously really, really helped us because it meant that we topped the group with our results. So we love to see it. Nigeria obviously go through second. Ireland already knew that they were out of the tournament after their opening two losses. So um going to be really interested to see how Nigeria kind of go through the knockouts. Um, and yeah, uh, as you kind of said, Harrow, shout out to the Canadian Far Post, wherever they are. I hope you guys are okay. Because um, the in an alternate universe, like that scoreline is flipped and we're having to talk about being the hosts bundled out at the group stage. Instead, they're having to talk about being the first Olympic champions to be knocked out in the group stage of a World Cup, which will be awful. Christine Sinclair had some really um, strong words in like the media zones uh, post game about like hoping that Canadian soccer was watching and that, you know, this is the kind of stuff that happens if you don't invest uh, or continue to invest in your uh, programs and teams. So uh, we won't go too much into it because we're not the experts here. Um, I'm also very curious, how much of the group C encounters did we all watch? Or were we all just uh, very much kind of green and gold nervous anxiety shit? I was watching Japan and Spain, like, in the background while I was prepping, waiting for starting lights to come out. And, oh, my God. Like, we talked about how this would be a litmus test for both teams. Japan, passed with flying colours. Spain, (laughs) that, like, just torn open time and time again especially on transition um i love that for you japan um carry that energy into the knockouts please um because i i tweeted about last night they are such a tournament team such a world cup team i feel like and in 2019 they were pretty unlucky like against the netherlands it was like a dodgy pen that Lika martin's converted that ended up proving the difference in that round of 16 clash i want to say um in ren um but it was yeah extraordinary spain um i think yeah that's hit them hard the the good thing it's funny right um as difficult as it is to get through the group stage the way we had to and the way nigeria had to you know what you can do pretty early on you know that you know you have to go up against good teams you have to get up to scratch really quickly or you're not going to progress um which is a really good thing whereas for japan and spain like they had two relative relatively speaking minnows in um in Zambia and Costa Rica in their game. So it, it really was the first time that they were getting a hit out against a team that should genuinely challenge them and test them. Um, and, yeah, as I said, Japan passed it with flying colours. So I think sometimes it can be a, as easy as it makes you road into the, um, the round of 16, getting those two wins early. Sometimes you need those tests just to get you up to speed and up to scratch. And, geez, Spain got a lot to think about before they head into the round of 16. Um, it might. I think it might play out in their favour though, because I think it means that they will play Switzerland, not Norway. So it depends who you, what your vibes are. Because Norway, when they switch on, are very, very dangerous, and Switzerland are a lot more, you know, sort of solid. Um, but yeah, uh, Japan, Norway could be a real. Am I right? Japan, Norway could be a real belter. So it will be. Uh, yeah. Norway, I believe. Yeah. Um, and also, I feel like this is karma for Spain for upsetting the mayor of Palmerston North, okay? How dare you hurt that adorable man? And you got what was coming for you. Um, and also, I, I want to say other things, but they involve expletives um, and being quite direct towards the, the coach of the Spanish national team. So I will 
I will bring that in. It's okay. But um, for Mickey Mouse's sake. But yeah, um, very yeah. That's going to be a really interesting match, I think, Japan Norway tactically as well. How they how they figure that out both sides. Um, Spain. Mm, yep. That's all I have to say at the moment. It's. It, 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 I think, yeah, like you said, Harry, having the easy group maybe hasn't done them any favours so far. It's going to be fun. Knockout football always is. The other gaming group, see, that I don't think any of us watched, but big day for Zambia. They defeated Costa Rica 3-1. So that's their first win at a World Cup, first goals. We just love to see debutants obviously no good for Costa Rica but really good to see Zambia actually get something out of this tournament especially when they kind of had um not proper expectations but everyone had kind of highlighted them as I will watch your games because I reckon they'll be fun and they didn't really deliver um against Japan or Spain so stoked to see that they got a win before they exited this tournament um, do we have anything else that we would like to talk about today? Um, just seen that uh, Alan Stajic has departed the Philippines to take up other opportunities. So obviously did a great job there. Their tournament ended on a, I guess, a low note with that that thrashing from Norway, but made history. First win, first goal at a World Cup um, of Serena Bogan with that goal, and now, yeah, I think. A semi-final at the Asian semi-final appearance at the Asian Cup qualified for their first World Cup, uh, got their first win and a goal at their first World Cup, and I think um, really have taken that team that you put together have really taken uh, women's football in the Philippines to another level. So, yeah, new era for both of them. So that'll be um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what direction they go from here mm-hmm. because they've got foundations now of something really solid, having tapped into the diaspora and. It's now going to be, can they kick on from there? We, we obviously play the Philippines in our, the first stage of our Olympic qualifiers. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, and obviously, like, the the, the Group D stuff, mm. like, who are we going to play? Um, it shouldn't be England. They should top the group. But it can still be really realistically all four, I think. Very unlikely that Haiti will progress. But, yeah, likely Denmark or China. But, yeah, I think we'll all be tuning in to see what happens there. We definitely will. Can't wait to see. We hope that the Philippines continue to put the investment into the team because, as we know from literally so many examples across the globe, you can't just do one sugar hit of investment and, like, think that you're going to continue to qualify for World Cups and make it to Asian Cup semifinals, you know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, we'll definitely wait and see what happens over there with the Philippines. But like you said, there is – we're still in the group stage. We don't have many days left of the group stage, but we've got a few fun matches to look forward to today so we've got the conclusions of groups d and e so we'll have vietnam taking on the netherlands and portugal taking on the united states which is the final matches of group e and then obviously the one we will be looking at group d so china take on england and haiti take on denmark so we will be watching we will be taking notes we will be very very excited um and also i'm just very excited to say that uh i'd presume tickets are not available but Australia's round of 16 clash Stadium Australia in Sydney on August 7th so we're gonna have to wait a little while for more Tilly's match action but that's probably for the best get everyone right and ready to go for that game but um yeah I think that's us finito for today 
I'll just quickly, I'd like to say, I also really appreciate that we topped the group because I completely forgot to book accommodation for Brisbane. So it's really worked out for me personally as well. So thank you, Tillys. Um, that's not, there's been a few moments like that thus far this trip. And if anyone's wondering in terms of the losing thing competition that we have, um, I think I'm winning at the moment. I've lost my glasses twice and found them twice. So not too bad. Anyway, sorry, Marissa, back I to lost you. a beanie. I lost a beanie, I reckon, at Amy Park last night, and I don't know how. Um, <laughs> trade came off in the chaos. <laughs> I was like, my boots is cold. <laughs> <laughs> I've been north of, north of the Murray for nearly two weeks and I'm not coping. <laughs> I had thermals on last night. And you get into the press conference room and it's, yeah, anyway. Oh, Melbourne. I love you, but geez, you can't. But geez, I love you. Anyway, if you're lurking in the the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium slash Amy (laughs) Park, we can't rule out that I didn't just forget to pack it as well. Like, I'm sure I did, but I didn't. And on that note, the uh, beanie (laughs) notice, uh, we will finish for today. So thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can also read some of our work on ABC and AAP. If you want to listen to this podcast, you can do that on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. Make sure you subscribe so you get the rest of these daily podcasts right into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, go Chili's! See ya!